Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast. Uh, we're back with our season preview. Yes, uh, game on Saturday, first game of the season against Watford. Uh, I've got a full house today. Last week it was just uh, me and AJ, but Sam and Carla joining us uh, this week as well. So we'll be getting the boys' thoughts on on the upcoming season, uh, the summer window. Uh, we'll get a Sam and Carl's thoughts on that. Obviously, AJ and I covered that in depth last week, which was a, a manic week, tumultuous week, really crazy week. But uh, a bit more, we're a bit calmer this week. Uh, so we've had a bit of time to reflect. Um, so we'll get the thoughts of those guys on the summer window. Uh, some stats, as always, from our stat king AJ uh, around how we can improve from from last season and where we can improve. Um, and uh, of course, a uh, preview of the Watford game on on Saturday as well, uh, and more importantly, predictions. So uh, I put out a Twitter post earlier today, uh, a lot of lot of replies. Uh, sounded like Silla Black then. A lot of replies um, to that one. So I'll I'll let you know what uh, everyone thinks, the listeners think of what we're going to do this season, uh, and obviously the guys will give their predictions as well. Before we we hear the wise words of Sam and Carl. As always, AJ, we'll come to you first. Uh, uh, almost a week on since our pod last week. Um, and obviously a crazy, crazy week with what happened. Transfers we talked about last week. How are you feeling on uh, about Villa this present time? Or a week on from that crazy episode. Um, how am I feeling? I'm, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm ready to move on from all of that um, and just think about the season ahead. So I guess it's a good job that that's largely what we're going to do on the on the pods. I had no interest in watching any of the unveiling or the press conference or the um, five people outside the Colin Bell sedan to welcome him. I didn't I didn't need to see any of that. Um, I just think it's time to think about how we move forward now and uh, put all that uh, stuff to bed. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think we've got, we've got to move on. Um, but let, let's say that let's say the, the the thoughts of Sam and Carl. So Sam, I'll go to you first, mate. Uh, overall, how are you feeling about the summer window so far and the position Villa are in now heading into the uh, new season on Saturday? Yeah, I mean it's it's been a roller coaster, hasn't it? I mean, uh, a couple of weeks before Grealish uh, went, I um, got a new season ticket. I haven't had a season ticket since uh, the sort of um, peak O'Neill days, so I was super excited and I was pretty confident he would stay at that point because I just didn't think anyone would come up with the money and I didn't know that there was a clause. Uh, we assumed there was a clause, um, and then he went, and obviously I was feeling pretty down about things. But since then, uh, I think with with the addition of Ings. And Bailey, and I know Buendia came in earlier, but, uh, you know, and we all hoped it was to play with Jack. But, I mean, irrespective of, of whether Jack's there or not, I think that, you know, as everybody said, you, you know, there can't there can't be many players in the whole world who we could have signed that I'd be as excited about as Grealish. I mean, probably, I can't think of really anyone. I mean, Messi's 34, you know. Uh, who who else could we have signed that, that we could bring in and say, OK, they're going to be as good as Grealish and have the same impact? Those players just don't exist. And if they did, they probably wouldn't be coming to Villa at this stage of our uh, project. But what we've done is we've we've signed three players that are better than any other of our attacking players. So Grealish is gone. Yes, really hard to replace. But but in Buendia, Bailey and Ings, I think that we've brought in players that are, you know, for me, better than Watkins. He's a young lad. He's going to get better. But for where he is now. 
obviously better than Al Ghazi, obviously better than uh, Trez, uh, obviously better than Wesley, obviously for me better than Traore, although, you know, I, I don't want to be too harsh to judge Traore because he, he gave us some really good moments last season. I think it would be interesting to see how he follows that up. So if we bring in three really good players, much better than what we have bar Grealish, I think that puts us in a good position and I'm excited to get down Villa Park. I think the atmosphere is going to be, you know, rocking against Newcastle. Um, and we've got some really good talent to watch. You know, uh, Bailey's got pace. He's got plenty about him. Buendia, all of my uh, Norwich sporting mates, well, all two of them, uh, think he's top draw. Um, and, uh, you know, he's still young. I think we're going to get some great years out of him. Uh, and Danny Ings, I mean, you know, his goals output is top notch. Uh, and I really think that he's going to hit the net regularly for us. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really positive. And, you know, like AJ, I'm... I, I'm not looking backwards anymore. Let's look forwards. We've got a great squad of players. Uh, you know, we've already got a really settled and fantastic back five. So, yeah, super optimistic. Oh, good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, Carl, I mean, Villa are not uh, strangers to selling their best players, like most clubs in the league and, and across world football, really. You know, we've sold a few to Man City, Milner, Delph, Barry, obviously being three of them. Um, well, maybe the only three of us out, maybe is the other one. Uh, but, this has a different feel to it, doesn't it, with, with Grealish going? Because unlike before, unlike previously, when we've sold our best players and and really it's knocked us back, this has a different feel, almost like we're rebuilding almost a bigger, better squad. Do you feel that way? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think, it, I mean, it feels different, um, sort of both sides of the, the issue, really. It feels different that it was a Villa fan since it was six that left us. So that kind of felt different. But what, was really impressive is that now you know we we've known or the club have known for a very long time that this was likely to happen um if not very likely um so it's not like they didn't they didn't just pull ings out within 48 hours they'd have they'd have been thinking about that if if it came down to it um to bring him in um but it, it was really impressive uh, usually what happens is we you know, if you think of uh, Milner when he left after the first game of the season, um, we just we, de- we couldn't replace him. You, you just couldn't do it. So it looks like we've been really proactive now, um, and yeah, it do- it does feel different. It does it doesn't just feel like it's going to completely um, halt us um, in our in our tracks. We're, we're going to push forward. We have bought three very good players to replace him. Um, or to replace his output, um, a la Moneyball. Um, so, yeah, really impressive. I mean, I suppose, just to touch on Grealish, because I've not had chance to uh, talk about it yet, um, I was quite surprised he left. I always thought he would stay. Um, but then I suppose, if you consider that he only decided he was English five five years ago, you have to appreciate that he has a ruthless streak in him and um, he's going to do what it takes to get to, get to the... Uh, to get to the top um so you know it's done um and i am really excited um although what i would say is i'm not 100 percent convinced that uh leon bailey exists yet um <laughs> it'll be nice it'll be nice to actually see him turn up at uh body more so i'm hoping he's not um he's not sort of george Weir's cousin sort of um <laughs> i didn't invent that sean paul temperature chant in vain i hope 
Uh, oh, which yeah. we're all going to be singing on the whole end, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll get a rendition of that uh, later on, Sam, in the pod. But um, I don't think I don't think Leon Bailey. Just maybe. Uh, just maybe. Yeah, I don't think uh, Leon Bailey is a paid actor, unlike uh, Tony Gia. Uh, for anyone that's seen that uh, documentary Al Jazeera did, which uh, we, we may we may touch on. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But let's push on now. Let's move on. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about the summer window, and, and Jack's obviously going to. Uh, probably be the core of that of that discussion as well because obviously it's such a, b- a big deal for all Villa fans and, and football in general. But l- moving on, looking ahead to the new season, AJ. Uh, looking at last season, obviously it was a, a, yeah. se- a season of two halves. You know, the cliche, but it really was. Um, and looking how we improve, how we push on. You know, we've pushed on from the first season of the Premier League. Uh, we've progressed well. Probably could have done slightly better if it wasn't for Jack's injury last season. How do we now push on, do you think, to that next level? Which is, you know, you, as you said and alluded to last pod, is almost the harder bit now. Yeah, well, the, the law of diminishing returns sort of dictates that, that that big step forward we made last year is going to be very difficult to make an equivalent step forward this year. I mean, you look at the numbers, we improved by 20 points season on season. We conceded 21 goals fewer from one season to the next and we scored 14 goals more. I'd be very surprised if we're able to do, you know, make that degree of improvement again. And I mean, when you think we've, we've finished th- on 35 points the season before, a 20-point improvement is, what, 60 70% improvement or something? I've just done that in my head, so but it's about that, um, which is ridiculous. And also, I think when you look at the way we did that by plugging certain gaps in the squad that were glaringly obvious... Uh, I think what we've done there is fixed the kind of low-hanging fruit of problems and now the next step is much harder. So, for example, um, the signing of Martinez was a huge part of, uh, a huge part of that. So, um, in, if you look at, um, there's a statistic called post-shot expe- expected goals, right? So, I think most people are familiar with, familiar with expected goals now where... Basically, wherever you take the shot from, the position of that shot um, determines a score from zero to one. How likely you think, uh, a, uh, how likely the stats suggest a, a goal will come from that from that position. So, if you're right in the middle of the goal in front, it's close to one. If you're further out, it's further away from one. Um, Post shot expected goals takes into account that position that you're in, but also. Uh, the quality of the shot, so where the shot is on target. So a good example is if you think about the Wolves game last season when uh, late on Cody had that chance right in front of goal, uh, middle of the goal, um, right in the centre of the goal, uh, about five or six yards out. Um, The XG on that would have been huge. It would have been almost one. But because he scuffed his shot and it went very close to Martin Martinez, it's still a very good save for Martinez, but the post-shot expected goals would be lower than if that equivalent shot had been put in the top corner or the roof of the net where Martinez would have had no chance. So post-shot expected goals, if you look at that versus the actual goals you've conceded, is a really good measure of the quality of your goalkeeping because uh, your uh, the position of that shot gives you a good estimate of whether or not you would expect a goalkeeper to save it. So if you look at the difference between your post-shot expected goals and your actual goals conceded, that kind of tells you what your goalkeeper has contributed to the team. And it's not perfect because you might have an incredible goal line clearance from a defender or something and it's not to do with the keeper. But overall, it's a pretty good measure of the keeper. 
Now, in the 1920 season, we were minus 6.2 on that measure. So our goalkeepers, and we had a few in that season, but across the whole season, we conceded six more goals than you would expect, given the quality of the shots that we faced. Uh, whereas last season, uh, that was second worst in the league overall, by the way. Last season, with Martinez in goal, we were plus 7.4, which was the second best in the league. So Ooh. we conceded over seven goals fewer than you would expect, given the quality of the shots that we've expected. Mm. So just by replacing a kind of group of mediocre to poor goalies with a very good one, we've had a swing of approximately 13 goals in our favour in terms of goals conceded. So of the 21 goals fewer we conceded, you can almost put 13 down to the signing of Martinez. Now, hopefully that improvement is one that we maintain this season, but you never know if Martinez gets an injury this season, whatever, fair enough. But we're not going to be able to make that leap again because we're not going to sign a goalkeeper that's 13 goals better than Martinez uh, overall. And similarly, when you look at what else we did defensively by signing Cash, uh, by um, the improvements that Target made to his game and also being quite fortunate with injuries and uh, only having, we only had three different centre-half partnerships last season, which was second best in the league. Um, I can't remember who was better than us, but there was someone who only had two different partnerships. Um, the That stable back four uh, delivering that um uh, improvement in goals conceded and with Martinez as well we're not going to make that improvement again now you could argue and a lot of us will say we would like to see a defensive midfielder come in and that could add some further improvement to that we've talked as well before on the pod when we signed Buendia and Bailey about their qualities defensively as well as attacking in terms of pressing and winning the ball back higher up the field so there's still ways we can improve on that defensive record but we're not going to, it's going to be very difficult for us to make an equivalent leap forward uh, this season uh, versus uh, last season. So it, it also, thinking about that, makes sense what Smith has talked about, where, um, or things that have been attributed to Smith at least, sort of saying that his priority this season has been to increase our attacking output because I think it's going to be much harder for us to strengthen further in terms of uh, defence. But it's also much harder, actually, to make that difference in creative areas because so much about it is um, chemistry and uh, you know getting players to gel together and the way we play as a team and formation, getting the formation right and so on. And, um, you know, uh, Smith was talking today, and I know you and Chadzi talked about it earlier as well, Omar, about... The new side is coming in, giving us lots of different options. We talked about it last week as well. And that's a good thing. But it also is harder to manage, harder to get everyone to gel, harder to get everyone playing well together if we're not quite sure how, we, how we're going to play. Whereas last season, the approach was very clear. It was give it to Jack and let him do, let him do his job. So the improvements we made last year were phenomenal. And I think we're still in a great place to maintain those improvements and push on a, a little bit. But the jump that we've got to make um, is a harder jump to make than the one we made uh, than the one we made last year. Even if we kept Jack, I think, and given that we haven't, and such a big that's such a big change for the team, uh, it's harder. The one positive thing I would say is, and I shared this with you guys last time uh, earlier earlier uh, yesterday, I think it was. Um, we were very unfortunate last season to finish on fifty five points and finish 
11th. That's the lowest anyone has ever finished in a 20-game season with 55 points. Typically, if you get 55 points over the last 10 seasons, you're likely to finish 8th. There's been a couple of ninth place finished finishes and one seventh place finished, uh, but to finish eleventh was very unfortunate. So actually, people who are predicting us to finish seventh or eighth, who a lot of a lot of the uh, contributors on on Twitter who were replying to your tweet there were, were were predicting that sort of level. We don't actually have to improve in terms of the points we deliver to do that. We just need the league to fall slightly slightly differently. So that's that's the positive side of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, that's um, really, really interesting, AJ, about about Martinez, especially there. I didn't realise. You know, we all know we can see with our eyes how much he's contributed, but to see that in the stats, to see the impact he's made, you're right. That next step forward is going to be that that much more difficult. Uh, we've, we've talked about sort of the low hanging fruit, but let's talk about how we actually do that in practice. So, so Sam, AJ's talked there about, about last season and how we improved from the previous season before that. What are the key contributing factors do you think or that we'll need to improve on this season? Uh, I think AJ's touched on one in terms of the midfield, which you'll probably talk about, I imagine. But you know, wh- wh- where do you see improvements happening in, in Villa's squad, in the way that we play, in our results, to, to get us to that next step, if you like? And what, what is the next step for you? Yeah, I mean, that, thanks, AJ. That was really fascinating stuff on that uh... Oh, thanks, mate. You don't have to sound so surprised about it, but I'm glad you, I'm glad no, you thought so. Genuinely fascinating. Um, yeah, um, I think um, I think if we talk about uh, sort of, you know, low-hanging fruit, you probably remember the Burnley game last season. You probably remember um, uh, the Southampton game. Um, we were absolutely screaming at the TV, like, why can't we, we, Trez, not finish these chances, you know? Um, we were creating, I mean, early on in the season, you know, we were creating a hell of a lot of expected goals and they weren't going in. Now, if you put in somebody that's just a natural finisher like Ings into the, into the uh, first 11, you know, a lot of those draws and even defeats, uh, you know, like against West Ham, like against Southampton, against Burnley, um, I think we, they would have been three points, you know, without any shadow of a doubt. Now, I get that you take Grealish out, you don't create as many chances, but you don't need to create as many chances, I don't think, if you've got Ings in the side, um, because he's just going to absolutely, uh, you know, I mean, people are talking about him being the first player to score 20 league goals in a Villa shirt for a long time. I can see it happening. He's quality. Um, and, and, I, and I really think that that could be an area where we're able to, you know, despite losing Jack, you know, still pitch up at around that 55 point mark. Uh, the other thing, of course, is that, you know, and, uh, AJ, when you were sort of comparing Buendia and um, and Grealish before, you know, and you were talking about how Grealish is all about ball carries, and you know that was so exciting to watch last season. And you know, I suppose we all feel a bit, uh, you know, a bit betrayed after we advocated so hard for him in, to be put in an England shirt to do exactly that. Um, but I think Buendia is going to perhaps give us a, you know, that ability to, um, you know. To make the transitions with a with a with a through ball with a pass that we hadn't quite seen, and 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 I think with Bailey's ability to use it that pace and get behind the lines, you know, I think we're going to be exciting. And I do think, I hope, that we're going to uh, potentially score more goals next season because there seems to be goals coming from more areas. And I think that you know, if you look at, um, um, yeah. I think uh, if you look at those occasions when Jack's threat was nullified, um, you know, putting two on him or whatever. Uh, and it was, it was really disappointing to watch that. And um, but but this year, 
not only have we got more options all over the pitch that are perhaps can offer us a creative spark and get us a goal, we're so much less predictable, aren't we? Because as Smith, I think Smith was quoted today as saying, you know, 4-4-2, uh, 4-2-3-1, 4, you know, 4-4-1-1. Um, there's so many different um, players in terms of combinations and there's so many different formations that we can use. It'll be nice, actually, to keep us as fans and, and obviously the opposition guessing a bit more um, because I think last year, if we were all fit, I think opposition teams knew exactly who was starting. And um, I think the only bit of mystery we had uh, throughout the season was, uh, you know, whether Grealish was back running again uh, and whether he was uh, fit again and, and ready to play. Apart from that, it was like, if we're all fit, we know the team, we know the way of playing, we know the conduit through which all the attacks are going to go. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really optimistic. I think that we can uh, we can increase the attacking output and, and the numbers. Um, but, yeah, like AJ said, uh, we've got to hope that the defence can put in a similar shift to, to last year because they were outstanding and uh, it won't be an easy feat to uh, to replicate. I have got some numbers on that output stuff, if you'd like to hear them. Go for it. Yep. Um, so I've looked I've looked at, obviously, what Jack did last season and then what Ings and Bailey did last season. And for Buendia, I've looked at his last season in the Premier League, which is probably a fairer measure than uh, his last season in the Championship, uh, where obviously numbers would be a little bit inflated. So last season, Jack got six goals for us. Um, Ings got 12. Bailey got nine and Buendia got one. So that's 22, 22 goals. Uh, Jack got 10 assists, uh, whereas Ings got four, Bailey got eight and Buendia got seven. So that's 19 in total. And if you look at goal-creating actions, which if you remember is the two plays before a goal, not just an assist. So Jack was massive for us on that last season, 21. He was involved in you know loads of our goals. But Ings, Ings was 10, Bailey was 14 and Buendia was nine. Why Which didn't we get 30... rid of Grealish ages ago? <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Obviously, we're comparing three players with one there, and we do also need to bear in mind that two of those players are going to be replacing someone else in the team, probably El Ghazi and Traore. And remember, El Ghazi also got 10 goals. Traore got seven goals and six assists and nine goal-creating actions. So it's not just as simple as adding those three up and saying uh, we're better off than Jack in terms of output. And also, as we've talked about, we've got to get those guys in a combination that works and we've got to get them firing. But you can certainly see in the numbers exactly what Sam was just saying, that there's a threat coming from different areas that all of those players have very good contributions uh, from a creative point of view. And as I mentioned before, they're also all bigger contributors from a defensive point of view as well in terms of winning the ball back. So in terms of the overall output, you can see where it's going to come from. The other thing that Sam mentioned, which I banged on a lot, about a lot last year on the pod, was Jack's ability to press to progress the ball both as a ball carrier and a passer. Um, he was the best overall ball carrying midfielder in the league last season. That's no surprise. Um, carried the ball t- forward 237 yards on average every game. Um, and also passed it forward 208 yards uh, every game. So that was eighth best for ball progression overall. But a lot of the players that are better him on, on ball progression are people like Jorginho or, or um, people like that who sit deeper and therefore have more opportunity to progress the ball forward. The only player that's on a par with him, as we said on so many things last season, on ball progression that plays in a similar sort of attacking role is De Bruyne. A lot has been made about Bailey's ball carrying and his ability to uh, 
um, replace some of that progressive ball carrying that we've lost from from Jack, and he is good on it. Um, so, but his uh, average would be 147 yards a game, which is you know almost 100 yards a game less than Jack. Although, if he recreated those numbers from the Bundesliga, that would have put him in the top 15% of ball carriers in the Premier League amongst midfielders last season. So. Still right up there. But the key one, uh, which is exactly what Sam was just talking about, is Buendia, who actually, ball-carrying-wise, in his last season in the Premier League, which, bear in mind, um, Norwich were rubbish, absolute rubbish in that season, carried it 144 yards forward, which is similar to Bailey. But his passing numbers um, were 255 yards, which is more than Jack uh, in terms of passing numbers. Uh, and if he did that in last season's Premier League, his overall ball progression would have been 14th in the league um, uh, amongst midfielders, just ahead of a certain Bruno Fernandes, which is not a bad uh, player to be in front of. So again, you could sort of see, uh, whilst nobody is going to carry the ball as well as Jack uh, has done for us, because nobody in Europe pretty much has done that, you can see that we should hopefully still be able to progress the ball in different ways through different channels and through different uh, players. Uh, and in particular, as, as Jack, uh, as Sam touched on, the uh, that that passing number for Buendia is really is really strong. And so there's a bit of a knock on effect there in terms of how we have to play. We have to be better at looking after the ball and passing the ball into Buendia. Uh, so that he has an opportunity to to do that. We need to be better at, uh, in terms of possession, which again is something Smith has talked about himself. Uh, if we're going to get the best out of Buendia, we need to keep the ball, protect the ball better, get it into him early in good in good areas. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say that um, Jack's numbers are staggering, but you know, if every single Villa attack goes through Jack, of course he's going to carry the ball a lot. Yeah. Whereas ba- if Bailey's playing in a Leverkusen side where they've got more outlets... He doesn't get the ball so much, so he doesn't carry it as far. So I think there's a little bit of context to add. Absolutely, you agree. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I think, um, you know, that, that's really interesting, AJ, all, all of that um, sort of stats breakdown is and comparison. You know, Perslo talked about it in his uh, uh, sort of chair, well, CEO address that he did last week around uh, the aggregate and replacing the, you know, what, what the Greedish, Greedish output really, which is, you know, money ball style, as we've talked about before. But, um I suppose that the key really is how quickly will they adapt uh, and gel as a team. And, uh, and I'm playing devil's advocate, Carl. Um, is there a concern or not concern or, or do Villa fans need to be a little bit more patient and be a little bit patient, sorry, full stop uh, with the new signings? Because it may not click straight away, especially someone like Leon Bailey, who's hasn't had a preseason with Villa. He's not even he's not even trained with them. I think he's going to train maybe tomorrow or, or the day after or, or after the game, maybe um, Buendia obviously has been injured for a large part of preseason as well. Will be look very good early on. Uh, is there a need to just be a little bit patient, and and it may not click straight away? Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't you can't expect um, particularly Bailey to hit the ground running. He's going to need some time to to bed in, um, and and pretty much the same with Buendia. I know he's he's been in England for a fair while now, and he's played in the Premier League before, but. Both those um, players, I think, you know, you give you give them a little bit of time. I don't think Danny Ings will need any time. He'll 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 just does what he does, and he'll finish chances that he gets. And um, his you know his link up play with Watkins will be a bit like how he links up 
or linked up with uh, Shay Adams. And let's face it, Shay Adams is a, isn't anywhere near as good as Watkins. So I'm really excited about that. But patience is definitely the key. Um, and, you know, Villa fans are world famous for their patience, aren't they? So uh, really looking forward to four pages <laughs> when we go 1-0 down. Says, um, says the man who predicts 27-0 every game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but what um, I've, I do have a little point to make, though, um, and I, it's a suggestion that we stop calling Grealish Jack. Um, we don't call De Bruyne Kevin. Let's move on. He's called Grealish <laughs> from now on. Yeah, fair enough. I'm I'm down with that. No, I, th- I think that was a good point. Good point, Carl. Yeah, you're right there. He's like Kylie, though, isn't he? He's not like he's not like should... Kylie. No, he's nothing like Kylie. He's not fucking Beyonce. No, he's, he's fitter. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He is uh, we should call Kevin De Bruyne Kevin, though. I think. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I was going through, <laughs> I was going through other players in my head, and it's like because he was saying Jack, Jack, and then he went De Bruyne, and then Bruno Fernandez. He, we fucking give him full name. And I was thinking <laughs> he can't be Jack anymore. He's he's, he's left you now. He, he doesn't like you anymore, AJ. He's called yeah. Grealish, Mister Grealish, dear. It's just habit, isn't it? I think I called him Jack early on in the pod, to be honest. But um, wow. I just it just annoyed me when you were saying it so much. <laughs> Fair enough. So we've talked a lot there around formation. We talked about how we improve. Uh, central midfield is obviously an area. I don't want to go into it too much because we've talked about the type of player that we need. James Ward-Prowse again being linked. Whether he's the right player or not, it remains to be seen. You know, he's got some great attributes but maybe we need a different type of player which we which AJ and I talked about last last week um but in terms of formation AJ uh, Dean Smith uh today uh well it was on Sky Sports today I don't know where he recorded it but he was talking about how well there's a few things that came out firstly that Watkins he doesn't really see him playing out wide he's bought him as a striker and that's where he sees him He's talked about being being flexible in the way that we we play and, and being adaptable. Something that we didn't really do last year, especially Chazzy and Jugsy on the pod were talking about horses for courses a lot last season. If you if you recall, with certain matches, and and it definitely seems to be that's the way that the thinking is at the moment uh, going into the new season that we are going to be a bit a, a bit more fluid in our formation choices. Uh, he Dina talked about playing a four three three or a four four two or a four four one one with a he called it a short striker, which I think is just basically a support striker, which Ings played a lot for Southampton in that position for before. I mean, how do you how do we fit all these new players in and how do we get the best out of them in your opinion? Yeah, I don't I don't really know which is part of the worry a little bit. I mean we talked a little bit last week about how we might fit them all in. I think the con- the concern for me and, and why when we talked about it last week, uh, unlike Smith, I'd quite liked the idea of trying Watkins on the left with with the players that we've got is that n- none of the players we've signed is a naturally left-sided attacking player. Um, so the the uh, we've got El Ghazi obviously still, although rumours around whether he might he might leave. Uh, there isn't really another player in the squad that immediately uh, goes into that left side of midfield role. And if you want to get all four of them in, then to me that was the easiest way to do it, especially if we were sticking to a sort of four two three one slash four three three type uh, type approach. Now. If he doesn't fancy it, then then fine. Sorry, I was going to say um, Bailey's played on the left more than on the right for Leverkusen. Whether he's been effective on the left as he is on the right, I'm not too sure, but he's definitely played there more. 
Um, so he, he's quite adaptable, I think. Maybe he will. Maybe yeah, he will it'd be, be interesting to, to see where. It, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. But uh, I, I do. I do think his natural position is more on the on the right from from what I've um, from what I've read. Obviously, I haven't seen him, so I, I can't <laughs> I can't comment on uh, from first hand. But from what I've read, uh, I, you know, people say his natural position is more. I mean, he doesn't on, exist. On the right. Yeah, that's true. He's a myth. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, I think the concern for me, a couple of things. One is, I think the signing of Twanzebi, as I said last week, uh, allows us to play three at the back, but I, Smith didn't really mention that. They were all four at the back systems. I think we saw with England, against Germany especially, the ability to switch to three at the back and match teams that play that. And you look at teams like Chelsea, who play it consistently under Tuchel, I think is an important thing to have. Now, it might just be that he wasn't going to list every formation under the sun in his uh, in his interview and that's fair enough um, but I would like to see us have an option of three at the back amongst all of our different formations that we might we might play in but then the other the other issue for me and I know you said you didn't really want to talk about it but I'll go to anyway uh, is whichever of those formations you think about three four three three five two four four one one whatever there's still got to be two midfielders in the middle of the park who um help us to control that area of the pitch and i don't see out of sanson uh louise mcginn and nakamba a combination of two that will consistently help us do that Maybe Buendia is sometimes one of those two, and he is strong defensively, but he's strong defensively in the context of an attacking player. I don't think he's strong defensively in the context of a of a number eight or a number six. So, uh, again, uh, I do feel like that is an area which would have been one of the first I would have looked to address uh, in the close season, but seems to be a long way down the list for for Smith. Although, as you say, we are being linked to uh, players all over the all over the show. I also don't think, by the way, that um, James Ward-Prowse is the solution to that issue either. I think he's too similar to those uh, other four players that I've that I've listed already. Mm, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, remains to be seen what we do in the uh, in the window. Uh, I definitely think you know. For me, I said it on the on the Villa View the other day. Is it's an eight out of ten window for me at the moment. It could be a ten out of ten window if we get the. The, you know that midfield player right and and I would personally spend big on that on that position because I think it's so important um and it could push on to push us on to that next level uh if we get the right player um whether that happens or not remains to be seen but I mean considering what's happened with 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 Grealish leaving then um yeah I think uh yeah I think that's a that's an amazing feat and, and credit to to the team for that and obviously it remains to be seen whether they all gel and it works but We've made the right decisions. I think the, the key now is for Dean Smith to make sure he works on the pitch. So let, let's push on now to uh, predictions. Uh, so we, we, I sent out a tweet out earlier this uh, this uh, today, and uh, a number of different areas that we were looking at predictions for, including for AJ uh, top Megza. So so we'll come on to that in a second. Before we do that, I, uh, as AJ said earlier, I spoke to Chad's earlier today. He couldn't join us today at this time, so uh, I got his thoughts on the season ahead. Uh, and his predictions as well. Fair to say that he he was quite he's quite down about everything with Grealish leaving. He was you know he's a, obviously a very optimistic guy and he's very confident that Grealish would stay. You know he's a, he's a romantic of he's a football romantic. Uh, Chadzi is and and it did knock him back a bit, but it was good to hear from him. And uh, I'll, I'll play that now for you guys. 
Chadzi, welcome back to the pod, mate. Uh, it's been been a while, summer off. Uh, how are you feeling after everything that's gone on? Obviously, it's been a tumultuous summer for Villa, a lot going on. Uh, it's obviously a quiet week this week compared to last week. How, how are you feeling generally? Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, I'm pretty mixed going into the new season, really. Um, obviously, really excited a few days away from the season. It's always always get buzzing before the start of a new campaign and all the hopes and expectations that come with that. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't still a bit deflated by Jack leaving, despite the fact we've got a good deal and all of the circumstances around that. I don't think there's anything, you know, I don't think I can I can see the positives quite yet in losing our, our only world-class player and one of the best players in the league and our talisman and you know, the heartbeat of the club. Um, and it's going to be very difficult to for Villa to replace him. You know, I like what they've said. He's impossible to replace. So they've signed four players to do that job and bring different assets and, and skills to try and um, fill the gap and fill the void that his his numbers create for us. Um, and yeah, but, but really intrigued with the sign-ins, I think the the summer business has been excellent in terms of the recruitment and how we're trying to replace Grealish and, and move on and, and build a, a team rather than a one-man band. Um, and I, I still think we're probably one player short in midfield, so I'd like to think the club are working on that. And um, I think, like I've said loads of times last season, there's there's nobody I trust more than our our current owners, our current chief exec and our current manager to do the right thing at the right time. Sorry, the sporting director Langer as well. So, you know, it's you're in a good place as a fan if you've got complete trust in the people at your club to do the right thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's all in hand in terms of ongoing recruitment efforts and I'm pleased with what's been done so far. I think, like you said, the Grealish stuff's probably been done to death, but um, I, I, I'm just a bit sad about the situation, to be honest, the fact that we've lost him. I completely understand why he's left the club. Um but for me, it was pretty special and pretty unique as a fan um, to go to games knowing that one of the best players in the world represented you. You know, he represented you as a fan on the pitch. Mm. He was a player that all other fans loved to hate, but ended up being the, the player they they uh, they loved. The whole country got behind him as the season went on and into the Euros. Um, he's a truly outstanding footballer and... I think there's going to be times this season where we're all looking around, scratching our heads, wondering, uh, did we appreciate him enough? I mean, I don't want to labour the point too much, but do you think the sort of the romanticism of football, which I, I know you're, is at the heartbeat of the why you're a fan, um, is lost a little bit with this kind of move, you know, him going to Man City of all places, uh, you know, that, that romanticism of him being a fan, being one of us, how do you feel about him? How do you feel about that notion of, you know, this being sort of the last, it's almost like the last antidote of modern football, really, Jack and, and Dino, you know, what, what what they were doing at Villa. How do you feel about all that? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose that's why I use the term sad, really, just because it is probably, it was probably the last chance that modern football had in terms of a player saying no to these big money opportunities, saying no to these... Um, Sort of, sort of Saudi invested clubs uh, and not going for the big money, but you know why? Why should he? Um, he, there's no doubt Jack Grealish loves Aston Villa football club, I and mean, anybody that says he doesn't, I, I think, is incorrect. 
you know, just imagine if Jack wasn't a footballer. If he wasn't a footballer, he'd be on the whole time watching Villa play. I know that for a fact. Being a professional, being involved in the industry, it changes you, it changes how you think, it changes your ambitions. And the fact of the matter is, he wants to play Champions League football this season. And that it, that's just, it's as simple as that. It comes down to that. He's in his prime. He gets one career, gets one opportunity. And he's decided or he's been advised which is another point, you know, maybe badly advised, I don't know, to take this opportunity whilst it comes. They're trying to build him into the next Beckham, the brand opportunities around that. It's more than just just football, unfortunately, nowadays. So I don't resent him, you know. I don't want, I don't, I'm not one of these people that is going to take loads of joy from seeing him lift trophies elsewhere. You know, I wish he was doing it for Villa, but... I'm very confident he's going to thrive in that environment with better players around him um, at the elite level. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if his numbers went through the roof this season. He's first name on my <laughs> dream team team sheet. You know, he, he, the numbers he crack, racks up for Villa in relegation battles, in mediocre teams. I'm just, you know, he, he's going to be outstanding for City. There's no doubt about that. And I don't resent him for that. Um it's just, unfortunately, how it's panned out is, is a little bit... It doesn't even... I wouldn't say it leaves a bit of taste in the mouth. It's just, it's just sad. Um, yeah. it, could have, it could have gone so differently if he'd given us one more year. The position that Villa are in at the moment, we're on the cusp of something very special. And if he was to sort of lead the charge on that for another year or two, it could have been something truly unique. Um, but... It's not meant to be, mate, and like loads of people have said and loads of people will probably be thinking now, we're not Jack Grealish FC. Aston Villa FC is far bigger than him. Uh, we're a great club with a proud tradition. Many great players have been and left and um, I'm sure we'll be sure we'll be fine without him. Um, so I suppose it's just a case of moving on from it, get, getting behind the lads that have got the shirt now and investing all of our, our energy into them. Yeah, well, which leads us nicely onto the squad now. Obviously, we've uh, we've sort of replaced Jack. I think Buendia would have come in anyway. Maybe Leon Bailey as well. But it seems obviously it seems that Danny Ings was uh, the money that from the from the Grealish sale was used to to buy him. What do you make of that crazy few days last week where we got Bailey and, and Ings and Grealish were sold? What do you make of the squad at the moment? Uh, and how do you how do you see it panning out for us this season going forward? Yeah, it was pretty hectic, wasn't it? I saw, um, listened to the pod and saw you on a few of the bits and pieces trying to dissect it all. But um, yeah, I was actually at a wedding the night that the Ings transfer got announced and I thought it was a spoof, you know, purely based on the fact that we hadn't seen any any rumours and all of a sudden he's there holding up the shirt. So um, that led to a quite crazy night singing Danny Ings songs on the, on the dance floor at the wedding, which was enjoyable. But um yeah, I think the squad's in a good place. I really like the business. Danny Ings guarantees goals. You know, if he can stay fit, I'm very confident he's going to get 20 goals this season. Obviously, that is the only slight concern, maybe, that he'll miss as many games as Grealish misses. But that's the good thing that having a bit of depth comes with. And I think the signing of Ings will see Watkins' levels go up even more. I'm excited about the prospect of them them playing together and, and what that will bring out in Watkins because he proved to us all last season what an outstanding and intelligent footballer he is. He's a great athlete. His work rate's there. He could have had 15, 20 goals himself last year if, if luck had been on his side. So the two of them together in the same team, if we can find a way to make that happen, is really exciting. It's back to sort of the old school, having having two strikers 
um, you know, some of the partnerships we saw back in the 90s. So, yeah, re- really great bit of business and proud of the club and, and how they conduct their business and just get, get stuff done, really. Buendia, obviously, really exciting, um, a very attacking prospect and somebody that, again, pretty much guarantees end product. Um, did it for Norwich last time they were up, not to a huge extent because they were the worst team in the league, but similar to when Grealish was playing for us in a relegation battle, really stood up stood out and uh, proved himself to be at that level, obviously, in the Argentina squad now and somebody that I think is going to get people off their seats at Villa Park this season, which is obviously what we've been used to over the last few years. So it's good that he can sort of come in and replace that that sort of Grealish aura and be our go-to man, I think. I, I'd be lying if I said I know a huge amount about Leon Bailey, but from what I've seen and read, He's got pace, which is something we lacked in the wide areas last year, isn't it? So he gives us another dimension, gets us in behind and gets uh, gets the full-backs thinking twice because we, we did become quite easy to defend at times last year, didn't we? And and most importantly for me, I think the signs of Buendia and Bailey um, and the depth that adds, I'm very confident that's going to see Traore especially go to another level. I think that he's a really special player um, and somebody that isn't one to going to want to sit on the bench and give up his shirt lightly so I think that extra competition for places is just going to see all, all throughout the squad it's a common theme of my thoughts really on the business everybody's levels are going to go up it's it's natural in, at that level that if someone's knocking on the door for your shirt you, you have to play well to keep your place and at times in the last few years that hasn't been the case so that's why I really like the business that's been done obviously Ashley Young competing for all sorts of shirts left back right back left wing, can play in the hole still. I watched quite a lot of Italian football and he's one of Inter's best player last year. Um, he's not a Robert Perez, David Ginola, Peter Schmeichel-style signing who's come for one last payday over the hill. He's still top quality. Um, he's a winner and I think he'll be great for the dressing room. Axel, we know all about him. And again, he's going to lift the levels of concert Mings, obviously give us that opportunity to play three at the back where necessary. Um, and but like I said at the start, I still think we're one central midfielder short. And for me, even though it's obvious to say because we've been linked with him, but War Prowse absolutely perfectly fits the bill. And if we could sign him, I think we should we should break the bank for him because I and that would be a pretty much perfect transfer window for me. Um, aside from losing Grealish, of course, um, I just think he would add so much energy. Um, his passing set pieces, he can chip in with goals. Um, I think he'll be the perfect fit for that midfield player that we're just missing to link the link the two, really. I think we've got a lot of samey players in that midfield area. We talked about it a lot last season. So Villa can pull that business off, or I know there's been a few other players linked in the last few days that, um, again, I tr- trust Langer and, and Smith to do the right thing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a link that doesn't go away. You know, we thought Southampton CEO came out and said that they're not going to sell him, and then there's been more links today saying that Villa are still going to push on for a move for him. Obviously, it's a player that we really want, uh, and I do think you know there's a lot of talk there about having a physical presence in midfield. But James Ward-Prowse's defensive duties and his defensive stats are right up there, so that's not to be sniffed at. And obviously, we know how good he is in terms of moving the ball, his energy, as you mentioned, and his, and his set pieces. So. Exciting times ahead. Um, before we go into predictions, Chad, um, how, how do you see Villa setting up against Watford and going forward? Do you, do you see, you know, Smith mentioned about being fluid in the system. Obviously, he's stuck to that 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 formation. How do you see him fitting in all these players that we've got now? 
Yeah, if I'm honest, mate, I don't know. I mean, I've read today that Smith's saying Watkins isn't going to be pushed out wide um, and Danny, Danny Ings hasn't come to sit on the bench. So I do expect to see them both playing in the team. So if that means we might have to go three at the back, obviously the signing of Axel allows us to maybe have Mings as a left-sided centre-back, Concer and Axel as the, the two alongside him. Um but then who misses out? Because you've got three or four wide attacking players. You've got Target, who was arguably our best player last season. Um, Ashley Young, I'm sure he knows he's not going to play every minute of every game, but he's a top competitor and will want to be playing. Matty Cash again, outstanding. So it's, it's going to be very difficult for Smith to keep everyone happy this season. But that is the biggest challenge. And that's if you want to turn yourself into an elite club, something that you have to deal with. So... The answer to your question around Saturday is I don't know, but I'm fascinated to see. Um, there's a question mark around Buendia's fitness isn't there. I really hope he makes it in time. But um, I just think the options we've got now and the depth allows him to be a bit, bit more flexible. You know, course, horses for courses, like we kept talking about last season, not just playing 4-2-3-1 despite the opposition um, with Watkins up top on his own, sometimes slightly isolated, maybe rotating one of the two holding players and then the rest picks itself. So, yeah, it's really exciting from a fan's perspective that um, we could be seeing some some variation in how we set up this season. And, um, you know, it's everyone's dreams to have two strikers on the pitch that can both score goals. And uh, uh, we've got enough creative players now to, to create the chances for them. It's just that balance then of uh, probably don't expect to keep 15, 16 clean sheets if, if that's the way you're going to play. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, definitely. I think a lot of fans don't really know uh, what we're going to play. Smith Dino was talking about three up front or playing a short striker, which basically means support striker. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But I guess we'll see, and, and I hope it is horses, of course, is that that's the way the top teams play and that's the way you push forward, I think, and progress. So let, let's go on to predictions then. Quick fire round then. Um, there's a few that I put out there on Twitter, uh, which some of the other guys are going to do on the pod when we're going to record later on. So, uh, where will we finish, firstly? Seventh. Nice. That's what I've gone for as well. Uh, I like I like it optimistic as well. I think it might be good enough for Europe, hopefully, as well. Top goal scorer? Danny Ings. Nice. Uh, number of goals? Do you want to do that as well? Uh, yeah, he's going to get 23 goals. Oh, that, yeah, that would be amazing. Be, it's going to be just a barrage. We'll yeah. get the odd hat-trick here and there, miss a couple of games. I still think Watkins is going to get between 10 and 15 and, and do do a job for us as well. But I just think Danny Ings is um, an outstanding finisher. So if we yes. create the chances we have been created, then I'm backing him. He's so sharp, any Danny Ings. You can tell on that. Even the preseason yeah. friendly, he's just in and around the box. He's just on. He's just on fire, isn't he? Uh, top assists. Traore. Oh, that's interesting. I thought you yeah, might be going dear. Like I said, I just think he's going to go to another level now with competition for places. He was right he was very good last year, and I think he's going to be even better. Good uh, player of the season. Danny Ings. I don't think you can score twenty three goals or whatever else, twenty two, and not get player of the season. Nice. I like that. Uh, so if he does get that, he'd be the first to get 20 plus goals in the top division since Peter With, I think. Yeah. Uh, young player of the season? Chuck Romaker. Yeah, good um, shot. Yeah, he looks brilliant, doesn't he? He just looks so classy and composed and like playing at the top level is not going to phase him when he does get his opportunity. I know Philly Jean's had um, a good pre-season. Everyone's very excited about him and there's lots of competition for this 
potential award. But um, as and when he gets his chance, I think he'll take it. And lastly, for, for AJ Maney, most Megs. Buendia. Like it, yeah. Good shout. I think that's a good shout. It's probably one I would go with as well. Right, Chads, thanks for that, mate. Good to have you back on, albeit briefly. Uh, hopefully get you back on for some post-match analysis at some point. Uh, obviously, Look forward to it, mate. We'll, thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. Good to, good to see you and uh, good to chat as always and pragmatic, rational and uh, insightful as ever, mate. So uh, I just thanks. needed it to get me up for the season, mate. I just yeah. needed to have this chat just to get me buzzing for Saturday. Nah, I'm mate, over it now. Good, mate. It was good to hear from you, mate. And, uh, well, up the Villa, hopefully on Saturday, you know, we'll get the three points. Up the Villa. Nice. See Actually, you, before you go, prediction for Saturday. Um, nil one. Nil one Villa. I like it. Good. I think it's a, it's a good, good, good prediction. Not going to be, not going to be easy. We've been nah. there loads of times, haven't we? Playing the promoted team and nah. struggled. Yeah. I know we beat Bournemouth a few years ago, but we ended up getting relegated. <laughs> yeah it won't be easy it won't be easy fans will be up for it as well which will make it that much tougher but thanks again mate thanks for having me on and uh, well, thanks for coming on sorry and uh, hopefully catch up soon UTV cool so let, let's uh, uh, good to hear from good to hear from Chadzi there um, some some insightful words as ever uh, and I think uh, it perked him up a little bit because he was he was down about it all so it's good to hear from him and I'm sure he'll be back uh, for, for his post-match uh, post-match insights uh, as usual uh, but let's push on so let's get your prediction so uh, let's do it uh, category by category and get all three of you and we'll try and do a bit quick fire if we can so firstly Sam I'll come to you where do you think we'll finish the season? Eighth Carl? Eighth AJ? I'm going to say ninth I, I reckon we'll get a similar amount of points but we'll uh, we'll finish in a better position because the league will revert to type. Right, I've gone for seventh, uh, and again, I think we'll we'll probably get maybe three three to five points more, I think, than last season, which is me being optimistic. I think, um, and I think it might be enough for seventh, which may get us Europe. I guess we'll see. Um, top goal scorer, Sam Watkins. How many goals, Sam? Sixteen. Carl, top goal scorer, and uh, amount of goals. Also going for Watkins because I. Mainly because I think Ings is going to drop deeper, and I'm going to say he'll score 18. Nice, AJ Watkins. And are we, we're talking just league goals. Yeah, 19. Oh, same as uh, Benteke all those years ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, top assists, Sam. Bailey. Carl. Buendia. AJ. Buendia for me as well. Nice. Uh, now, player of the season, young player of the season, Sam. Your two picks. Um, okay, yeah. Player of the season, I'm going to go Buendia. Uh, young player of the season, Chucklemaker. Carl, your picks. Uh, player of the season, Bailey. Young player of the season, Bedace. Oh, big shout, Bailey. Big shout. First season to get player of the season. That would be uh, that be some going. Well, a minute ago you said he didn't exist. Now you think he's going to win player of the season. Well, I mean, if he doesn't exist, then my prediction isn't wrong, is it? <laughs> just a farce <laughs> like most of your predictions <laughs> uh, AJ your player of the season young player of the season I'm going to go concert for player of the season or I was tempted to go with Martinez especially after my uh, big long ramble about how good he was last season uh, and I think uh, Philogene Bades as well for uh, young player Concert was my second choice for player of the season 
nice, mm. nice, nice, nice. So um, before we go into the big one, the last one, um, I I actually went seventh, which we've mentioned already. Uh, top goal scorer Ings with sixteen, top assists. Uh, I think Buendia. Uh Player of the season, I went for Konza as well. Um, so I agree with that. Young player of the season, I think Jacob Ram. Mm. I think Jacob Ramsey. I think uh, I, I I thought maybe he got out on loan, but I'd be really impressed with uh, him preseason uh, as I've been with Bidace. But I just think he's going to get more game time, and he looks uh, stronger. He looks bigger. He looks ready for Premier League football now. So I think he might have a part to play. Um, so let's I go. Really should have asked what the age limit was for this because I would have said Ramsey. I think twenty three is normally the young young player. I think from memory. I'll stick with Bidace. Yeah. Right. So the big one, the the headline grabber. So it's always good to check the age limit in advance, mate. <laughs> 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 right, uh, the big, the big one, head, headline grabber, Meg's watch, top Megza, uh, by special request of AJ. Sam, who's going to get the most Megs? Bailey. Carl. Bailey. AJ. Well, I would say Triore because he's the most likely Megza still, even having signed Bailey, who didn't get a lot of Megs last season. Everybody, check your check your stats. He's not been a top Megza. He's not been a top Megza. So I think Meg- Ings got a Megs in the last friendly. I don't know if you saw that. Ings is quite a good Megza. Five yeah, Megs last season I for Ings. Ings. Yeah, he's quite a good Megza. I think it'll still be Triore, but I just hedge my bets a little bit, given I. It depends how how much he actually gets in the in the team this season. Yeah. Yes, but what's he doing him in training? He's still uh, he's still our top Megza for me. I'm just hoping for a team improvement on Megs. Can I just say, just overall, overall, just hoping for a team improvement. We just escaped Megs relegation last season and finished fourth from bottom. Uh, it was a tight, it was a tight one. We got a couple of Megs late on in the season, and we just. But I'd like to see us finish mid table at least on Megs next season. Cool. Fair enough. I think that's uh, that's a fair request, AJ. Um, I was just going to say, so we got so many replies on this uh, online. Um, So what I'm going to do is, and you guys are included in this, is at the end of the season, I'm going to look back at this and whoever got the most correct will get a prize. Uh, So in terms of, in terms of, in terms of what everyone else thought, I've added it all up. So, uh, in terms of what the, the Villa fans think, what the listeners think of the Villa Talks podcast. The most picked position was, I think, eighth for Villa. Ninth, not far behind. Uh, most people went for that, which I think is a, a, f- a fair reflection of the general thought of Villa fans at the, at the moment. Uh, top scorer was Danny Ings, just edging out Holly Watkins. Uh, not by much. Uh, assists, Buendia, the clear favourite. Uh, most people picked him, which makes sense. Player of the season, uh, joint between Bandia and Martinez. Um, so I guess uh, most people thinking Martinez would carry on his, his good form and Bandia will make a good impact. I went for Konza, uh, like AJ. Young player of the season, Bidace. Uh, I think a bit of recency bias there. Obviously, Bidace has done really well in pre-season, so... Him getting ahead of uh, Chuck and Ramsey, and, and most people went for Bidace, actually. I think um, it did, did get the overwhelming overwhelming majority of the votes. Uh, and then Megs, the big one, uh, Bailey and Trorore. Um Yeah, seems like people have been listening to the episodes previously and uh, recognised Trorore's ability. 
Bailey is an interesting choice. Uh, I guess we will see. Right, let's push on. Uh, finally, the the Watford game on Saturday. A little preview. Sam, your thoughts on the game? How we might set up? Um, how you think? Uh, how you think we will do uh, against Watford, who are very much a uh, yeah, just a side. You just don't know what you're going to get with them. They they change their players so much. Um, obviously had a had a good season last season in the championship. A bit of a stop start at the beginning. Obviously changed the manager halfway through, like they always do. Cisco Munez came in. Um, even for Watford, an unknown manager. I think he only managed eleven games for Dinamo Tbilisi uh, when he came in. Um, and again had a, a sort of an average start, and then changed formation to a four three three. Uh, and then they won their 14 of the last 18 games. Uh, and Ismail Assar, who's obviously been linked with Villa in the past, was a big part of that. <clears throat> they brought some interesting players, pretty stacked in forward areas. Um, not sure how they're going to fit all these players in, but got a bit of pace, a bit of trickery. So it could be an interesting proposition. How do you see it going, Sam? Yeah, I wish I had a ticket. I'll say that. Um, I'm sure that the uh, away fans are going to make themselves known. Um yeah, I, th- I think it will be interesting. I think that uh, the, 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 assuming everyone's fit, um, I think one of the interesting things about the forward line, and I was chatting to another Villa fan about this today, is you know we all knew that we needed some cover for Watkins. And in a way, the purchase of Ings, it's like the cover, it's too good. We wanted a, another striker to back up Ollie. Needed to be better than Davis. But the problem is you buy Ings, you can't leave Ings on the bench. Uh, so that, yeah, that gives us a bit of an issue. Um because as much as we can talk about him playing as a short striker, he's not really a 10, is he? So it'll be interesting to see how uh, that gets accommodated. Um, I, I, I'd expect to see, I'd expect to maybe see one of the kids involved on Saturday, which I think will be really good, because as you guys have mentioned, they've had uh, a really good pre-season, so I'd expect them to get some game time. Um, yeah, I mean, and I also think that, you know, as Carl mentioned earlier, patience is key I, I think we can beat them I think we can go there and turn them over for sure but yeah they've, they've got some tricky players and you know they'll certainly be up for it so it's one of those where you think you know do you take a score draw and, and take a few positives and use that as a platform um yeah potentially um I, you know I'm really looking forward to it I will I will say that I think that the midfield combination will be interesting um I think McGinn's played most of pre-season does that mean that um Smith sees him as, as a definite starter. Uh, does that mean that, you know, McGinn's going to play irrespective of who else we bring in? Um, I think he's had the armband. You guys have been paying a bit more attention to pre-season than me, but has McGinn had the armband in some of these friendlies? Now no and again, it's all it's been mixed around a little bit. Passed around, the, the, yeah. Yeah, Mings wasn't given, it wasn't the captain on Sunday, which was surprising, but... Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think McGinn will probably play, I don't know, maybe he'll play Nakamba. Um, I think it'll be. Uh, I'm not sure how instructive this uh, the starting eleven will be uh, on Saturday for the rest of the season. Given a um, how Smith said he wants to mix it up and he wants to do horses for courses, and b that we've got players returning from injury or arriving in the country. Um, but yeah, I just think you know, just enjoy it. Hope we can nick a win. But I personally wouldn't be too dissatisfied with the draw. Carl, your thoughts on the uh, on the game? Well, I think we're going to win. Uh, 2-1 um, sorry guys I'm, I'm retiring the 27 now mainly because oh. I've, I've given my prediction of our top goal scorer who am I going to have as my goal scorers when our top goal scorer gets 18 <laughs> I'm fucked so 2-1 <laughs> win sorry guys um, 
Yeah. 1-1. One, 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 one for me, I should have said. Sorry. Um, yeah, 2-1, t- I think. Um, I, I've got a... I mean, depending on if Buendia's fit. If Buendia's not fit, I've got a feeling Bidais is going to start on Saturday. Um, yeah, on Saturday. Um, strange feeling. But, I mean, that depends. If, if Buendia's fit, Buendia will, will, will likely start on the right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always weird uh, uh, before the first game of the season because throughout the season, you can start predicting what our starting lineups, lineups are going to look like. But I have no idea, really. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because, you know, if, if Bailey was there, you'd predict that he was going to start. But, I mean, as I said, he he, he hasn't even uh, he hasn't even arrived at Bodymore Eve as far as, as far as I know yet. But um, it's difficult. I think we'll win um, based on absolutely nothing. Because, as I said, no idea how we're going to play, how we're going to get set up. I know nothing about Watford. Like, they must have the highest turn turnover of players and managers of any club that's ever existed. Um, I was listening to a pod the other day, and I can't remember if it was one that you you was on, Omar, but um, lovely fact. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was, um, what's his face? Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, um, I think Watford, in the last eight years, have had, uh, each of their managers has contained every letter of the alphabet, and it's the first time it's ever happened, and they've done it in the last (laughs) eight years. Lovely fact. Um, So, no, no, nothing about them. Um, Just going to, Plump for a two-one win, um, and uh, I'm just just excited. AJ, what do you reckon? Yeah, a bit like Carl. It's just it's hard to know, really. I don't know how they're going to play. I don't know how we're going to play. You can't even really look at the head-to-head because the fortunes of both clubs have both changed so much over the uh, last few years. So it's very it's very hard to know. But just purely on the fact that I think we've got a better squad and better players, I think we will nick it. But I'm kind of share Sam's view that it's probably going to be quite tight, especially given we haven't got all our uh, players um, available um, and so on. So, yeah, I think a narrow win, a 1-0 or a 2-1, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Sam's right and it ends up being uh, ends up being a draw. Carl, you had uh, something to say on our, on our new set-piece coach, Austin McPhee and uh, Dino mentioning about thrones in in one of his interviews um you must be pretty ecstatic with what you had to say well i mean that's the exact point i wanted to make is that if anyone listened to my didiasis um choice about getting rid of every single throne we've ever taken um smith was talking about how it's an untapped sort of part of football and uh one of one of his um Part of his remit is going to be concentrating our throw-ins. So I'm going to be very happy that our only throw-in isn't going to be John McGinn just shoving his arse in some player's face and trying to turn and smash it, smash it out for a, a, an opposition throw-in. Um, and I'm not going to, ta- I'm not taking all credit for it, but I, I think, <laughs> I think it speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Can I just uh, do? Can I do a really quick? Can I do a really quick? Uh, I've got some head-to-head uh, stuff on, on Watford. How many times do you reckon all time we've we've played against Watford? Twenty-five times, and I'm saying it. I'm giving you a low number just because I know it's going to spoil your stat now. No, it's, my number's even lower. Really? So, but you're in the right ballpark. We've only played them twenty-one times. Wow! In uh, competitive games, it's mad, isn't it? That's according to eleven versus eleven. Crazy. First time we played them was 1969. So 
Hey. That's mad, isn't it? Uh, and uh, we're level, eight wins apiece, five draws. So Ooh, come on! Oh, it's like the Everton thing all over again. Yeah, it is. But, the, but kind of like the Everton one, but the opposite. Yeah, the opposite. The least played <laughs> fixture in, uh, <laughs> in football. There's a little bit of other stuff, but uh, as I say, because we've been up and down, I don't know how relevant uh, it all is. Um, they have they have won three of the last four games against us, uh, including. The 3-0 loss at Vicarage Road in 2019, which I think was probably our worst performance under Smith, or yeah. is definitely one of our worst Troy performances. Dean, Troy Deeney doesn't still play for him, does he? I, I think he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, I, I was reading somewhere, I think it might be in a Watford fans forum, that um, they reckon Troy Deeney was probably the worst player in the Championship last season. Uh, but no doubt he'll come on or start against Villa and score a hat-trick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, there's not really a lot to talk to, to, to else to say. If you look a bit further back, we've played them eight times since '99, sort of uh, mostly in the Premier League. We've had four wins and a draw in that time. So compared to a lot of teams, our head-to-head is not that bad. But we have lost three of the last three of the last four. Um, in terms of good games against them, I remembered a four-nil in 2000 where Merson got two. Um, and we did all go once uh, to Watford away, but I have a feeling I couldn't remember the game as I never can, as you all know. But I think it was in two thousand and six, and it was a nil-nil. But what nil-nil. I mostly remember, yeah. what I mostly remember, is walking back and stopping at a pub on the way, and Sam boring some poor, poor uh, Watford fans by banging on at them for about forty-five minutes about how good Gareth Barry is and how underrated oh. he was. Oh, 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 <laughs> I've been bored that by that I mean. conversation many a time. <laughs> yeah, so I think we were quite quite glad to be rid of him and let the let the poor Watford fans listen to him going on about it for once. Well, well, the jokes on me because they've got they've got Tom cleverly now, so they'd be boring <laughs> yeah. me about him, wouldn't they? Yeah, they'll. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Tom cleverly, Villa legend. Is he going to play? Will he play? Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. I think um, he's he's way down the list. Uh, their first two. First choice midfielders, Will Hughes and Chalobah, are, are in the last years of the contract, I think, looking to leave. So I don't think they'll either be playing, but it'll probably be Loser, is it? Imran Loser or Lauser uh, and uh, Etebo from, from Stoke City. I think it is. I think it'll be them two, probably. Im- Imran Loser, yeah. I had a little look at him, Loser. Good set pieces, so that's what to watch out for. Cool. I think uh, that probably does this. So I did want to talk a bit, little bit about. Um, the documentary in about Samuelson, Tony Gia, and also uh, Villa launching some weird crypto or fan engagement cryptocurrency. I'm not really uh, sure. It's a scam. It's a yeah, scam. It's a scam. That's that. all we need to say about that. It's a fucking it's scam. It's a scam. Don't do it's it. A, it's bullshit. It's a and gateway I'm, I'm disapp- gateway drug. <laughs> it's, and I'm very disappointed that our owners, who we've all got a lot of time for, are doing it. It's a bit of a letdown. Of course, you don't have to do it. Um, it's a choice you have to make, but um, I think there'll probably be some innocent fans out there, naive fans out there, who will maybe uh, engage with it and end up losing a bit of money. Um, but yeah, not 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 great, is it really? Yeah, you don't have to take crystal meth, but you know you wouldn't want expect them to be fucking selling it, would you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
yeah, imagine them selling uh, selling it at the uh, at the kiosk along with your bolty pie. You know, here's your side of uh, crystal meth with your little meal deal. <laughs> oh, it just popped up. We apparently we've got Barrow in the uh, in the League Cup. I think it's round two, isn't it? Um, random, proper random. Oh, Barrow, home or away? Away, I think. Uh, well, that's how the message just appeared on my on my phone. Barrow v Villa. Yeah, yeah. It looks like uh, people are talking about how big their ground is. So yeah, it looks like it's uh, it's away. Bit of a bit of a trip that is. Oh, that's a yomp. Here now, that is a yomp. Yeah, hell of a trip that will be. But it'd be nice to see us uh, have a cup run. We didn't talk about that in our predictions, did we? But yeah, hopefully we can have a bit of a cup run as well. But thanks to the boys uh, for their time again. Um, insightful as ever interesting insight into what they think we will do this season the game against Watford some good predictions as well um yeah we'll be back probably next week after the game with a post-match uh, review uh, of the game um probably won't be doing two pods a week now going forward just because I'm so busy and, and with th- with my th- third child now uh, evenings are, are taken up so Probably just going to do one roundup uh, weekly pod where we'll look at all the news of that week. But yeah, look forward to that. Uh, as always, uh, please just subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. Uh, we're on Twitter at Villa Podcast One Word. This pod is sponsored by Maybe Digital. Um, I'll link them in the uh, in the Twitter page as well. Check them out. Local Birmingham-based business uh, for all your digital marketing needs. Thank you for them for for sponsoring us. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you next time. Thanks to guys again. Thanks for listening and uh, up the villa. Up the villa. villa. I love it. I love it.